Doug Tyrrell, History and Comment is available on iTunes. Hello, friends. I'm Doug Tyrrell. This is History and Comment for Tuesday, the 22nd day of August, 2023. We certainly are in the hot portion of summer. Southern California got drenched the past few days. This will greatly put the damper on fires in that part of the state for a while, at least. England is having a civil war. In 1642, Charles I engages parliamentarians in open war. The idea was, should there be a monarchy or should Parliament be in control of the government? The war will run on for most of the next decade. Charles will be executed and many of the crown jewels and regalia destroyed. England will be without a monarch from 1649 until 1660. Jacob Barr Simpson arrives in New Amsterdam in 1654. He was an Ashkenazi Jew from Central Europe. The Dutch back in Europe seem to have been more open to the Jews than any other place on the continent. Before America, the Dutch colony in Brazil had been a destination. But the Dutch interest in Brazil had collapsed in January of 1654. With the region under Portuguese control, their future there was uncertain. Bar Simpson will be followed a few weeks later by a group of 23 from Brazil. The Dutch governor was less than welcoming. Jews were discriminated against in a variety of laws and regulations. English explorer James Cook is two-thirds of the way through a three-year voyage to the South Pacific in 1770. On this day, he claims the east coast of Australia for Britain. It was largely believed there must be a large southern landmass that had yet to be discovered. The theory was that most of the known landmass was in the northern hemisphere, and to balance Earth, there should be more in the southern. The term for this was Terra Australis Incognita, or Undiscovered Southern Land. While there was more land to be discovered, the idea was completely wrong. It is roughly 70-30 in the northern hemisphere, and also about the same distribution east versus west. We talked the other day about how quickly U.S. forces abandoned Fort Detroit. In 1777, the British lift a siege of Fort Stanwyck near present-day Rome, New York. This is in the west-central region of upstate New York. They believe the Continental Army was getting reinforcements. I have commented that even as late as the Civil War, that if you could insert a simple handheld radio into the mix, it would have greatly changed the war. Wars and battles of the time were won and lost on bad information. During the Civil War Battle of Antietam, Lee was thoroughly beat. But McClellan was standing in fear that he was greatly outnumbered and also beat up from the fighting. Had Lee stood his ground or attacked the next day, the South might have well carried the day. But we're dealing in what-ifs, and there's no end to that rabbit hole. The French and British are mortal enemies. In 1798, Ireland is trying to repeat what America pulled off. On this day, French troops land in County Mayo on the northwest coast. The first Geneva Convention is signed by 12 nations in 1864. The idea was to write a set of rules for open warfare dealing with wounded and prisoners of war. It was driven by the International Red Cross. Neither Britain nor the U.S. were signers of the first treaty. It was largely an issue of continental Europe. 1902, the Cadillac Motor Company is established. 
Henry Ford's first company had fallen apart after a dispute with investors. The investors took the remnants and formed Cadillac, named for the Frenchman who founded Detroit. From the start, Cadillac strived to build their cars with precision parts, resulting in a far superior vehicle. Cadillac was the fourth U.S. car maker. Auto car, Oldsmobile, and Buick predated. It will remain an independent company until 1907 when it came under the General Motors umbrella along with Olds and Buick. Ford will be incorporated the next summer. President Theodore Roosevelt is the first president to make a public appearance in an automobile in 1902. He rode around the streets of Hartford, Connecticut in a Columbia Electric Victoria Phaeton. A Phaeton is an open horse-drawn carriage. Yes, Virginia, electric vehicles were an area of interest in the earliest days of the horseless carriage. Internal combustion engines were not powerful nor reliable enough yet. The problem then as now was battery weights and life. The thing that we so often overlook is the ability of someone with drive and a bit of creativity can go a very long way in this country. Rush Limbaugh was just another DJ in a mid-level market when he stumbled into talk radio. We know where that went. In 1914, Connie Gay is born on a 20-acre tobacco farm in rural North Carolina. Hardly the stuff of legend or note. But the young Gay had a creative side and was very keen in business. With a degree in agricultural education, he decided radio was the place to be. He started a half-hour talk show at the age of 22 on a commission basis, and he held the rights to the name. Town and Country Talk will be a hit on radio and television. Gay will discover country singers Patsy Cline, Jimmy Dean, and manage Roy Clark. Gay helped form the Country Music Association in the late 1950s, and his activities around Nashville cemented his legacy and maybe his fortune. Brazil jumps into the World War II foray in 1942 on the side of the Allies. Argentina and Chile tended to lean more towards Germany. Argentina is where many former Nazis landed after the war. Some legends place Hitler there. Maybe it's my British background, maybe their more secular nature or other factors, but France has seemed harsher than other countries in Europe. For 100 years until 1953, they maintained a penal colony on Devil's Island, a small island a few miles off the coast of French Guiana, South America. Country singer Colin Ray is 63 today, while former U.S. Representative Trey Gowdy is 59. Pope Paul VI visits Colombia in 1968. This is the first visit by a pope to Latin America despite the entire region being largely Catholic. Here's an interesting tidbit. The headline reads, J. Edgar Hoover announces the arrest of 20 members of the Camden 28 in 1971. So who were the Camden 28 and why is this significant? They were a group of militant leftist, anti-war activists based in Camden, New Jersey. The group's goal was to wreak havoc on the draft by breaking into the local draft board and removing or destroying draft records. One of the members felt they were going too far and reported the activities to the FBI, with the understanding none of his friends would see jail time. The FBI was giddy 
and began providing material support for the break-in. On the early morning of August 22, 1971, the group follows through with their plans, while 40 FBI agents covertly watch. After a long period of time, the agents spring the trap. In typical fashion in the Hoover administration, they throw the book at the group. But seeing he's been used, their informant backs away. When the affair goes to trial, he testifies for the defense, the level the FBI had went to entrap them. The whole affair was seen as a referendum on the Vietnam War. The defendants were found not guilty. My take is they were quite guilty, but the FBI had went way too far in their actions also. We should also note that by the summer of 1971, the end of the war was almost in sight. Troop levels were dropping, and the last round of draftees were called late in 1973, just months after the trial. In 1989, Nolan Ryland becomes the first Major League Baseball pitcher to record 5,000 strikeouts. The batter was Ricky Henderson of the Oakland A's. The FBI is certainly one of the most respected law enforcement agencies maybe in the world, but they are highly susceptible to the blight of the over-exuberant to uphold the law. They did not learn their lesson with the Camden 28 21 years earlier. An FBI sniper kills Vicki Weaver in an 11-day siege at Ruby Ridge, Idaho. When the court dust settles, the Weavers got a large settlement and the alphabet agencies, and there were several, a big black eye. The first shot fired in the siege was by a federal agent who shot the Weaver's dog. Law enforcement is the one thing that keeps civilization civil but they should also hold the brightest light on themselves. The Texas Rangers defeat the Baltimore Orioles 30-3 in 2007. This is the most runs scored in modern Major League history. The spread of 27 may also be a record. Only eight games since the 1911 season have recorded more than a 21-run spread. That's history and comment for the 22nd day of August. I'm Doug Terrell. Now, go do something worth remembering.